1: all right everybody working up everybody's working
0: With that time's yours
1: oh god oh the show oh no the show's supposed to start already okay uh seth you're gonna talk about chris jones uh nate you're gonna talk about no you're gonna talk about chris jones oh god oh well the play clock's down to three two timeout timeout we're out of timeouts Ah, yes, coach. Coach, what's the play? Coach, what's the play? I thought we had more time. Welcome into Time Zars here on The Athletic. Joshua Briscoe, Nate Taylor, and Seth Kaiser. Is it totally unfair of me to pick on the. The underdog Dolphins for the intro of this show? Yeah, absolutely. They had Skylar Thompson and overachieved. But have I been thinking about every moment of their play clock since the the second that game started until this moment now? Yes, I have. It's been weighing on me very heavily. And I think maybe this is the time on this edition of Time's Ours that uh, we really figure out what it takes to to have Patrick Mahomes just wave it in the play call 24-7 that still gives the Chiefs time to do a ring around the Rosie before they actually get to the line of scrimmage. Um... Look, one of the best things about, uh,
2: I guess, you know, A-team being on a bye week while everybody else fights for inches uh, (laughs) to advance through knees and backs and ankles. Um, Operation got to be right, man. You got to go through... As many scenarios as you can. You know, this is where the CBA messes up teams because we only have so many hours of practice contractually. Um, If nobody reports it to the Players Association. So, (laughs) I don't want to name coaches right now, but I know who they are. Uh, (laughs) I don't want to name coaches! (laughs) So, look. I learned a couple things, right? To your point, Josh, operation gotta be clean. Hey, if it's a backup quarterback, everything's gotta be really, really sound. Um, Cause like, it's great. You're on the plus side of the field, but coach, you speeding up everybody because you ain't calling timeouts. And coach, everybody sped up cause we ain't got no timeouts. And coach, um, I don't like this play. You like this play? Let's find a better play. Because guess what? We have timeouts. Um, It was a very fun weekend. I think I've said this like every season except for last season Um, when the Chiefs didn't have the bye. Man, it's really nice to just sit on the couch for 11 hours watching mm-hmm. football. Oh, now I get it, guys. You guys have it <laughs> so much better. Uh in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> but you know, obviously we enjoy the uh the reporting and obviously being there. Um, but man, it was nice to be on my couch and second guess everyone. Um uh, including that poor Ravens receiver who was thinking like, I mean, I'm here. I mean I have to be here. The play kind of is designed for me to be here. Why is the ball fluttering to me? Why? Why? <laughs> um And then he alligator armed it. I just felt so bad. So bad. Um and then of course it's like do you go for two? Do you not? Um, you know, it was fun to explain to Holly that, yeah, uh Asante Samuel Jr. had one of the greatest halves of football in postseason history. And then he was um and then he had the one of the worst halves of postseason football history. So it can change very, very quick. But yeah, fun 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 games in the AOC in particular. Um, and I just think we've learned that, uh, it, it, it pays not having to go through that amount of grueling, like emotional, physical drain of all three of those games being close and now all of those teams that won have to have to play again and do the same thing
1: this week at an even
2: higher stakes.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great point. It was 11 points total for all of the AFC winners combined. And seven of those obviously came from the. The Bengals. So, Seth, how was your Super
3: <coughs> Wild Card Weekend? I um, I was sort of present throughout the Wild Card Weekend. I watched most of games, but at very crucial times, I decided, you know what, I don't get as much time with my family as I'd like. I'm gonna step away. We're sure. Just... Well, this
1: this game's like it's like
3: twenty-seven to nothing. You're good. Yeah. No, that really was it and then i suddenly was like hey what <laughs> <laughs> why why is that why they're suddenly within two scores and so i turned it on and it was really cool that game in particular chargers jags which obviously is relevant to the chiefs cuz the jags are coming to arrowhead um like they did in week 10 and i actually that's a game that i went to live um it was isabel's first uh oh i forgot yes. I yes. for that yes yeah. yes 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 yeah. and so um so it was fun fun times you could feel the energy I, I know that in the aggregate momentum is not real and momentum isn't dispositive either, even in the individual circumstance. But uh, how do I say this sphincter tightening is definitely (laughs) real. And the, the chargers like just the energy you could see from them. It reminded me of when the Texans went up huge on the chiefs, right? And they're just rocking and everything's working And then the Chiefs score a touchdown and make one more play and score a touchdown. And suddenly, a game that felt out of reach is now, oh, wait, it's only the second quarter? Yeah. And they're only two touchdowns away? (laughs) And you can see them tightening it up. And just like, and not in a good way. Tighten Um, it up, fellas. Tighten it up. Yep, tighten it up, fellas. But no, it was just more like, oh, no, 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 no. No bad things. And I mean, it's almost, it's such a goofy thing because obviously rushing out to a big lead is the best case scenario, but you need to have someone at the helm who can just in those moments where things start to go wrong, say, hey, we're still fine. Let's just keep doing what got us there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if Brandon Staley is that guy because they just could not stay. i mean, You just felt it happening. I honestly when the Jags got within two touchdowns I was like I think they're going to win.
1: Yeah, I felt like I think a lot of people felt that way. It felt like the Jags were coming back and they just got here. Uh I have a I have a brief like uh all connecting uh, head coaching take that I kind of want to run by you guys since we're here. Yeah. You mentioned I don't know that Staley's that guy and then Mike McDaniel for all of the things he's done well this year and fat team to be in the playoffs right now for everything. I I remain a fan. But Mike McDaniel was not that guy for those 60 minutes, because they had that one problem that basically started in the first drive and ended at the end of the game. And John Harbaugh had a total self-fumble in the fourth quarter of that game. They ended the game with a timeout in their pocket and playing yeah. some kind of desperate football and they didn't have to. Right. Here's my here's my two, my two-pronged coaching take that I'm just kind of curious what what you guys think about. One is that not every head coach with one terrible stretch is a big, dumb idiot that has to get fired because there are execution issues even among coaches, right? Like, we Mm. talk about players missing a play all the time. I bet that's the first time Mike McDaniel has been on a headset and had a first down called in his ear and then needed a fourth and short play with no timeouts late in a playoff game. In fact, I know that's the first time that's happened to him as a head coach. So part one is that I'm trying to be better about not firing a head coach for one bad sequence, Mm. and I'm trying to accept the idea that coach development is a real thing you got to be able to find your urban meyer and potentially nathaniel Hackett's and get them out quickly but there is a developmental process to coaches even while they're in the job certainly once they get their their second one but i just my my attitude on the idea of like a retread head coach is changing and my ideas about how long it should take before an nfl head coach is really an nfl head coach are are changing a little bit and a, a lot of that was brought to light over the weekend i don't know what do you guys think
2: yeah i would say that um the the issues with Harbaugh and McDaniel are the fact that they're just operating with quarterbacks who just haven't done it all year. Yeah, in the most pressured, you know, high intense moments of the season, and it is. I think, um, it, you know, playoff football is is one of the most uh, really long. Like, you know, the games feel so long, and the ebbs yeah. and flows can get like really um elongated and then you know sitting there watching with Holly it's like so the season's over. And it's like yep, season's over. It it it, it is the longest game of the season and the season is so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um because those coaching staffs I felt did a great job of understanding who their opponent was. Obviously it was the divisional uh rematches, you know, basically the the third chapter in each. And so that lends to okay, how can coaching um better accentuate, get you in better advantageous positions to make the game closer than it would be otherwise, you know, obviously what the point spreads were for both games. Um, you know, it's clear that like these teams showed certain flaws in the team that is moving on. The issue is Harbaugh has done this a lot longer, to your point, and McDaniel is just now doing it. But they basically all landed on the same issue, which is we've gotten over the plus side of the field with a backup quarterback or near the plus side of the field if you're Miami. um, And and we just we just don't have enough reps with this quarterback. We just don't know what he's truly capable of and got to have it moments that are not controlled within the game flow based on our own schematic, you know, sort of coaching that we've done the week prior. Here's the issue with 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 Brandon Staley. he has a top ten quarterback. Some could argue a top six, probably as healthy as he's ever been all season,
3: mm-hmm.
2: playing well. And yes, we already we talked about uh, the inability to not have Mike Williams based on your own, you know, mis you know mishand <sighs> mishandling of the situation, basically coaching malpractice. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, your quarterback is is able. He's healthy. Um, your defense really surprised the Jaguars in a way that gave them a clear advantage. It looked for two quarters, y'all, like Brandy Staley hurt everybody and coached like his job depended on it.
1: Yeah, first and half defensively was unreal. Unreal. And then, And then
2: they didn't, I feel like, do enough to trust their quarterback to make mm-hmm. more plays in the second half. Mm-hmm. And that goes to... Coaching and experience in the biggest game of the season. When, as Seth said, everybody think they're getting tight, dog. Um, so, who's sphincter do I trust the most? Well, it's the one who's throwing the football. Um,
1: <laughs> who's sphincter do I trust? Welcome the to most?
2: Times R's. Who's sphincter do I who do trust, I trust the, most? the most? I mean, honestly, y'all. Uh, that's that's kind of how championships are won. Is like, who do I yeah. trust? Who take me back? To time where I have faith in this person's finter and athletic <laughs> abilities. Um, uh, but yeah, but th- like they could not run the ball, which was insane to me, because I thought their most important player, not named Justin Herbert, was you know, Austin Eckler. He could not, they just could not run the ball. And so the game really got out of whack. And then all of a sudden, a coach who has been there multiple times, which should have Chiefs fans with a little trepidation like one could argue that the Jaguars have the second best coach in the AFC playoffs remaining because mm-hmm. he proved it in the second half and when they got on a roll and when they figured out what the Chargers can and cannot do um there really wasn't a talent disparity between the between the teams so then it goes back to all of a sudden the coaching on the other sideline is so much better because um they just have more experience and obviously um they had plays for certain situations, and um it's it's crazy to know that um for all the things that I think John Harbaugh deserves a lot of credit for, it's going to take more and more time for people to realize that Doug Peterson knows what he's doing. 'Cause yep. cause Urban Meyer, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Doug
3: Peterson was fired out of Philly, but so was Andy Reid. Yeah. exactly and, and, by, the way, and by, the way, by the way
2: by the way yeah. they were they were both right like yeah each time like it was mm-hmm. it was the totally time to come up. it was it was understandable yes but
3: both guys are are very good coaches um which that's it's an interesting thing because they're both so focused on the offensive side of the ball in terms of scheme stuff i don't think this is necessarily like any of the reed versus doug peterson matchup mm-hmm. um you know, because they're both guys. Obviously, they set the tone. They're the leaders of the, you know, they that stuff matters, right? Leadership, teaching, all that stuff. But like schematically, it's not like Doug Peterson's in the defensive coordinator's room, saying, you know, what we ought to do against Andy. Like maybe he is. I'd be surprised. And Andy, well, a- Andy lets Steve Steve Spagnuolo coach the defense by and large. So it's not really a matchup between the two of them, but. I do think you're right that Doug's probably the best coach left in the AFC right now. And it was just interesting to me to watch. So what I've been, I've been looking at the, um, the play just by so you play. Don't get
1: tweets. You're saying Doug's probably the second best head coach in the AFC right now, right? Is that what you meant? In the AFC that's left. That isn't currently coaching the Kansas city chiefs. Yes. I just wanted to help you out. Okay. Oh, Oh I sure, mean, thanks. I mean, I mean, I by think the way, most people got my context clues, but I just yeah, wanted to make sure yeah. that you didn't open Twitter later and say, yeah. oh, "You take Doug Peterson over right now." Hey, hey, nope, hey, no, I hey, Sean, would not.
2: Hey, Sean McDermott, get him to stop throwing interceptions and take the sacks. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's you know, your job
3: this Sean, week, son. Sean, yeah, Sean, life. come on, man, come but, on, Sean. So I was looking at this, um, the the play by play of Chargers Jags. And something that's interesting to me, because what a lot of people would say is, well, they should have run
2: the ball more in the second half. No. But, man, you were right. <laughs> they could they they could not do run do the ball. It. Could it? By, they couldn't. They By the way, this also explains that like Chiefs fans need to be thrilled. I know you have your own concerns about Orlando Brown. We're going to see. Okay? We're going to see. Their offensive line is intact, and nope. every other offensive line that lost like this past weekend is because their offensive line was not intact from obviously when the season started. And I think that was one of the reasons why when the Jaguars won on first down, they could really, you know, pin their ears back. And like to your point, Seth, they couldn't run the ball because they couldn't create any lanes for Austin Eckler, but go, but go on. And that matters.
3: Also the chargers, like this could be like I know people have a problem with Andy Reid with the second half of the AFC Championship last year. I kind of take exception to that. Honestly, I think Mahomes played badly. Some passes were dropped. Reed could have done some things differently, but overall, there was a lot of other stuff going on there. Here, this to me was like I was almost like having like an Andy Reid appreciation moment watching the play calling and the the, the design of the offense with the Chargers. And I get it, you're missing Mike Williams, but I was sitting there. It's like man. The Jags, you know, they they try to win on first down, but almost every down they were pinning their ears back and they were able to control the line of scrimmage because the Chargers offensive line isn't isn't terrific. So they weren't running the ball well, but they kind of abandoned the run. And here's the deal. Andy Reid abandons the run more than uh, most.
2: <laughs> you could say but more he than also, anybody. In the yeah, <laughs> more than anybody.
3: But if you're going to be a guy who abandons the run, one way to get away with it is to have the most varied, and diverse and long play sheet of pass plays in the league. You got passes to every inch of that field schemed up in there. And that's what he often does, right? Like um, when Mahomes was starting to, you know, have a little bit of a slump against the Seahawks, he dialed up some super easy throws. Hey, you're going to, you're going to snap the ball. You're going to turn to your left and you were going to throw it eight yards to Juju and we're going to get five yards. And you can relax for a second. Like, just don't think. Whatever. The Chargers don't have that. Yep. They they abandoned the run. I'm
1: jumping in here because we talked about Brandon Staley a few times. And if Joe Lombardi is still employed by the time anyone's hearing this podcast, I'm gonna be be really disappointed in some people.
2: And 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 also that's also it's it has been confirmed that Brandon Staley will be head coach of the Chargers next season.
3: (laughs) What?
1: And John Harbaugh staying in Michigan. That one.
3: No way. Where it's been confirmed. Now, here's the deal. I actually, I, I like Staley. Oh, yeah. Oh, right now, that's being reported. Oh, like an hour ago. Okay, here's the deal. One thing about Brandon Staley, he coaches the heck out of that defense overall. He does a good job against Mahomes. He's a good DC type guy. But their offense, so that means Lombardi's going to be gone. I mean, he found a scapegoat. Maybe, maybe Mike McDaniels wants to go back to be no OC. Like it just, no, I'm sorry. I feel bad. Mike's done a good job this year, but it, it's interesting to see. I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this because this also folds into the conversation about Mike McDaniels and coaching overall in the playoffs. A big part of any job is experience. And almost the only way to get experience is to do something and kind of fail. Correct. And, and you hope that your failure isn't dispositive. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you know, you you learn what, I don't know, in my field, it's so boring. Like you learn what motions you f- you should file and when, and what kind of arguments to make in front of judges versus what they tell you to do at law school. Like, you know, quote unquote, my client should be released because he was on his way to a job interview when he got arrested. No one believes that. You don't <laughs> say that in real life. You learn that when a judge says, counsel, please approach. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but your clients lie to you sometimes, counsel. and, <laughs> and you're like, okay, sorry, judge. Wait, what? You yeah, said yeah. he lied to me behind my back? No, no, no. He wouldn't have told what? me that, judge. No. Probably, yeah, his grandma died. Well, he said this last time he was here, and that was the third time he
2: said it. But, <laughs> but he didn't say it. He just said it to me, yeah, judge, yeah. your honor. <laughs> he just said it to me. So, <laughs> so you learn through trial and error.
3: Here's the problem. As an NFL head coach, there's so much you have to do and trial and error is not really a thing in the NFL. And so like Mike McDaniels, he's done a great job building a really terrific offensive system around a couple of unique talents, a decent offensive line and a good, but limited quarterback. That's really impressive, but it's hard to be prepared for literally everything. And so I want everyone who's like judging him or Brandon Staley to imagine this someone Kicks the door into your office and says, "You've got 40 seconds to make a decision on what exactly to do about this problem, where you're fired. Go now, now." Fourth and what two, you, coach. Gotta now. have it. You got 40 seconds. Go make a decision. You've got about 900 options. You got three guys screaming in your ear, "What the best play?" You know what I mean? Like, coach. Twelve then,
2: personnel, coach. Twelve, yep. twelve,
3: coach. And did and did McDaniel's. I think what you saw there, and I could be wrong. You saw a guy who has been a coordinator, right? He's been a position coach. It just brings so much to the table. And what he trusted was his ability to pick the perfect play,
1: mm. which
3: makes sense if you're an OC. Right. As a head coach, you understand you have to have that play picked in advance. And you got to have a play at least. Yeah, a play. Any play is better than a delay of game. And obviously, he what he tried to do is he took what he is best at and he tried to scheme them to a win. And dang it, he almost, almost did it. Almost he did almost it. did it. But the one thing he didn't account for was something that you maybe don't even realize until you're in the game and in the moment and you ain't got a plan B. There is no plan B for me scheming us into this, but wait, that takes us an extra five to 10 seconds every snap and sometimes that matters. And next time, he, he maybe they'll hire an, an additional assistant, you know, time clock control management guru mm-hmm. and pay them $100,000 a year to make sure they never get another delay of game penalty. I don't know. I don't know how Andy
2: Reid does it because he picks between a it's billion
3: called, things. It's well, called and sequ- there's
1: also-
2: It's called sequencing. And, yeah, and that- having done it again for hundreds of games. Exactly. and there's an extra
1: step in it. We saw that be a problem with Alex Smith for at least a little while, the idea yep. of like, hey, players are getting into it like that's one of the reasons it's so frustrating. And and I think we know pretty clearly in, in Kansas City, that's going through at least two headsets before it gets into Patrick Mahomes's uh, you know, helmet speaker. So, right. and they still get it with time. And Mahomes is still over there doing the Spider-Man hands, trying right. to wave it in quicker. No, and that's, you know what? You make a really good, the Spider-Man hands. That's what it is. It's a Spider-Man hands. He's no, like he shooting webs while he's waving in the play. But he, but I mean, you- If you I was Andy Reid, that it. would annoy me, but I'm a smaller <laughs> man than Andy <laughs> Reid. <laughs> I think about that all the time, how annoying that would be. Come on, yeah. like he doesn't know. Hey, Patrick, he knows. I know, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, you know what? We're not going to call a play.
3: (laughs) Although, you know know Mahomes is waiting for that. All right, y'all. 898, load it up. Yes, (laughs) you're right. He is Hey, y'all remember four verts?
2: (laughs) (laughs) And McKinnon, you run one too, baby.
1: Just keep going right down the the field.
3: Did I ask you to run an angle route, Jerry? Five
1: birds, Jerry. Five birds. Five birds, Motion out. All right, let's go. And You're making and a point, Seth. I'm sorry. I cut you <laughs> off. <by laughs> <my hands. laughs> but
0: you 99? make such a great point. So,
1: Nate, you talk about
3: sequencing.
1: Yes. Andy Reid
3: has learned. He's been a head coach since the mid-90s. He has... Remember all the jokes about the Andy Reid face in the playoffs and all these things... And, and people, you don't hear those jokes as much anymore. Now, part of that is Patrick Mahomes is incredible. That raises your margin for error. But even his clock management under Alex Smith, you could see improvements. And you know why? Because he's had 20 years to work on it. Yep. Because every single situation gets presented to you eventually. And you kind of know what you're going to do. It's that whole line when we were actually being semi-sincere one time. I don't remember when. Mm. And I commented on how some of the best advice I ever got was, you decide in advance who you are and mm. what you will do. That That's a decision you're making every day of your life in the event of an emergency is how you will handle that. You decide in advance. And if you don't know what you might face, it's really hard to decide in advance. Yep. And it's hard to be an NFL head coach. And Staley thought he could trust his offense with a guy that he couldn't. Because Justin Herbert is a better quarterback than that offense is letting him
1: be.
0: Yes.
3: And what can you do? And that's—it's just hard to be a head coach. And imagine again, someone kicks your door in. Forty seconds to get this right. The world's watching. Everyone's screaming.
2: You have a million things to worry about. Call the right play. Um, with, with all that said, can I can I criticize a, a, a coach who's won a Super Bowl?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love it if
2: you did. All right, all right, John Harbaugh. Look, man. <laughs> look, dog. You the head coach. Yep. Star quarterback got to be
3: there.
2: Mm. I'm sorry. Like, I don't like I'ma need to know all the excuses. Uh cause there's no reason why Lamar shouldn't be there for a playoff game. I we all know he's hurt. We all know he's not available. I gotta I gotta get the you gotta get the quarterback on the sideline, supporting, cheering for his teammates. It's a team sport. Let's never forget that, y'all. hmm It's a team sport. And then secondly, I mean, have y'all seen the JK Dobbins uh video? <laughs>
1: I know. Mm -hmm. My man.
2: Now, he is the starting running back. Came back from injury. Playing well. Hey, man, why don't we just hand the ball out to him three times? Yep. Inside the five. You know, hey, I will. Here's another thing that that I think we've learned. um, And I'm going to give two examples. Uh, You know, this is something we also learned during wildcard weekend that may serve the Chiefs. It's about teammates doing something. Super-duper impressive, and nobody cares. (laughs) (laughs) So that it sets up your other teammate to do something amazing, and everybody care. Yep. The two examples from Wild Card Weekend that best, I think, illustrate this are Traverius Ward is in a one-on-one matchup with DK Metcalf, who has gotten him already in the game. And they just say, hey, look, we love the matchup. Let's give him a 50-50 ball, Gino. Geno throws a absolute gorgeous ball. Yep. And Traverius Ward fights like his life depends on it to get a little bit of a finger deflected on it. So instead of DK Metcalf catching a touchdown to have the Seahawks go up uh, yet again in the third quarter, guess what happens, y'all? Now it's third and whatever. They got to pass it. Joey, excuse me, Nick Bosa knows that. All of a sudden, Striff's sack. 49ers get the ball, game is is, is effectively over. Yep. But if Travarius Ward does not get that PVU in the end zone, that game really could go down to the very end. Because what you also noticed was, man, Pete Carroll, 71 years old, got them boys ready <coughs> when they are totally physically outmatched. Um and then secondly, Von Bell, uh, and I think this proves my point, ladies and gentlemen, that the Cincinnati Bengals. By the way, when they show all the PFF grades for whoever the player is at his position, I I audibly laughed last night because it went, you know, Trey Hendrickson, FAU, and it went Sam Hubbard, I'm from Cincinnati, and it went to Jesse Bates, they put the franchise tag on me, Bob uh, Bell, <laughs> I'm good. And, like, none of them were in, like, the top ten of any position. But you know what? None of them were at the bottom half of their position. Those red chips, baby. They are some damn red chips, man. <laughs> it is incredible. It's like, hey, I'm Jesse Bates. Number 12 at safety. You know, and it's like, hey, that's really good. But they give the ball to J.K. Domins. He is, you know, going through the hole. Von Bell stands him up at the one-yard line. Of course, we all know what happens later. At the one-and-a-half-yard line. Poor Tyler Huntley tries he's he not as tall and as lanky as 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 Trevor Lawrence he's in the ball game. He's just like five inches shorter. Yeah, I, I get it's, it, just, man. it's tough out here.
0: Again like, <laughs>
2: again, like how often do they even practice that play with Tyler Huntley? Something that I actually asked myself during the game. Like, man, how many times do they actually run that? Not in camp, but like even now, even walkthroughs. Like, how often do you just say, hey, just to remind you. Quarterbacks think you got to go forward, dog. We, like, I know you want to jump and it looks cool. Um, And Trevor Lawrence just did it the night before. But as we're going through this walkthrough, just want to remind you, hey, man, just ball security of the highest order. And then, of course, Sam Hubbard gets the ball, runs, however, what, 98 yards for the touchdown. But it only sets up, it is only set up by Von Bell making an absolute, you know, touchdown-saving tackle that, again, nobody remembers except for, like,
1: Uh, I have one more coaching observation that vaguely involves the Chiefs, and then we can actually talk about some of the, the Chiefs stuff you guys have written about, and we'll obviously Thursday's episode is going to be about the Chiefs and Jags, but we got kind of a variety opportunity because we all got to watch non-Chiefs games this week. It's kind of fun. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about Brian Dable and his coaching staff in general. One, because Daniel Jones looked pretty good out there, and he's played good enough football to get them in the playoffs, but he was like... Pretty good against the Vikings. And overall, he was the Giants are just – he was definitely the best quarterback in that game. No <laughs> question. Um, Seth, I don't know if you've got some weeping and gnashing of teeth from the Minnesotans around you. That just hit me now that this might be, uh, this might be a problem. But I am just so intrigued about the fact that Brian Dable got that job from coaching Josh Allen into a totally different version of the quarterback than he was before. He gets this job. He hires Mike Kafka out of the Andy Reid system. He lets Mike Kafka call plays. He hires Wink Martindale, who has a whole brand behind him at this point. I know him by his hat, his chain, and how much he blitzes. Like, that is that is the DC <laughs> that he brought in. And it just kind of lets, it kind of seems like he let them do their thing. And this might involve Staley and McDaniel and Harbaugh. And I kinda, Harbaugh would be a weird example, I guess. But Staley and McDaniel, for sure. Of like, is, is this an example of the power of a coach who's willing to delegate and to make themselves the head coach and not the head coach slash OC or whatever. Not that you couldn't succeed a number of ways because Andy Reid's Andy doesn't have that play sheet for no reason. I think we've established that at some point over the last 20 years or so, but I'm just fascinated by it. I'm not saying it's like the only way teams should be doing it going forward, but I just found it super intriguing. And I guess Seth, you ought to go first just in case. um, Is Minnesota still like, okay, as a state? Mm. They knew Um, you want to, you want to, you want to know
3: how damaged, vikings fans are so i went to uh i went to church last night because like a true zealot i go to sunday night church that's by the way in case those who don't go to church are wondering that's how you separate the zealots from the rest sunday morning normal wednesday night eh. sunday night it's like what is wrong with you man like so i went to church because you know I went to church yeah. and I had, I had the I had the Vikings game playing on Hulu on my phone, with the volume down. My wife let me, there were two massive Vikings fans attending that service.
1: They weren't praying hard enough, huh? That's and,
3: well, and here's the funny thing is, and afterwards I walked up to them because I knew what had happened because, you know, I had it sitting there watching with the volume off. Um, <laughs> sorry, Pastor Josh, if you're listening, um, uh, it was a, I was a message. I, I I knew, I knew where I landed
1: on it. It's probably fine. Anyway. <laughs> hold on, hold on, Seth. You probably can rationalize your way out of most sermons with that one. That's right there. <laughs> that was a yeah. powerful card you just played. I can watch football on my phone is a very powerful get out of hell free card.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, my, my theology is not strong in this episode. This
1: episode.
3: <laughs> so. I will, I go up to them afterwards.
1: You all should have and, heard Seth's theology before this episode started.
3: Uh, yeah, it used to be. It was. It was. It's even shakier. So <laughs> I, I go up to them and I was like, "Hey, uh, we'll call them both Jim." Hey Jim, I I'm, I'm surprised to hear you see you here, man. What's going on? And and they both looked at me and said, "I I I know what's I I know what's going
2: oh, on." Oh, and they were absolutely oh, right. And
3: it's just oh. so. I just, I told both of them, look, you don't have to live like this. (laughs) Come be a cheese fan. My oldest sister, Sarah, has converted from a Vikings fan to a cheese fan. So now all the Kaiser siblings, me, Hope, and Sarah, we are all cheese fans. And Sarah, it it took some doing. And she's like, it's just so much more fun to be a cheese fan. (laughs) And it is. I'm sure. You get to watch Patrick Holmes. And hey, you know what? Shout out to Kirk Cousins. He had Dexter Lawrence trying to eat him. What are you going to do? Get the ball out and hope something good happens. I'd argue get it out beyond the sticks.
2: But I get it. And he never. And by the way, Kirk Cousins, who has shown actual growth, it's just, have you seen the Vikings defense? Um, When he was getting killed.
3: Like, normally that's kind of an excuse, you know? But that dude hung in there and made some throws while getting demolished. (laughs) Like, they could not block Dexter. Could not block. Could not. Man, that dude, by the way, holy smokes. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, so that's how damaged that fan base is. And I know that's a very segued note. God, but that Kirk used to Cousins. be you, Chiefs fans, because I... it's not anymore. Because watching Patrick Mahomes, when the Chiefs lose to this day, I'm genuinely surprised. I'm like, oh, well, wait, so it's over? Like yeah. the, ga- the game goes, ended?
2: It goes quick.
3: It's just, it's so weird. And so I, I just yeah no Minnesota fans are damaged and I'm telling you all Vikings fans. Fifty years is 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 enough. What's well, longer than fifty years for you? It's okay. No one's gonna judge you. I, there's a few fan bases that I think no one would judge for jumping
1: ship, right? The Browns, the Vikings. Anyone going to judge those I'd give guys? it the Texans. I'd love the Texans out. The Texans fancy to hit the transfer portal. I can't believe what yeah. they did to them. Yeah, Even the when Texans, it was being the worst team in football, it wasn't bad enough.
3: Yeah, the yeah. Texans right now, for sure. I think the, maybe every season there should be like three teams where you've got a transfer portal allowed.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm but, good with that.
3: But yeah, it's, no, that was brutal. Um, man, that was so rough. Kirk and, Cousins
1: and, threw 47% of his yards to TJ Hawkinson. Yep. Yeah. yeah,
2: that's and and look, Adam Thielen not who he used to be anymore. It's it's unfortunate. And um, you know, Wink was able to blitz and still cover Justin Jefferson. It's impressive. Wink, man.
1: Wink. The Wink. Spags take those notes if they have to play the Bengals again, because blitz and cover the number one is something I'd be very curious about. Yeah. Not that the I mean the depth of the Bengals. I don't want to talk about the Bengals. The Bengals <laughs> are still a game away. They're really two games hey. away. I don't know if it's gonna be them or not.
2: Look. I mean, to be honest, um, all I would tell, like, again,
1: Sean, all you got to do
2: is tell this man, we the home team, we got all the emotion, stop taking sacks, or at least limit some sacks, because obviously we know your offensive line is a little bit tatters, stop throwing picks and hit a check down. Um, yeah. Hit a check down, son! Um. You are so talented, and he the the throw he threw to Dawson Knox who made an incredible one handed catch. Oh, the highs cannot be higher today. <laughs> but also, why are you throwing it to him in the white jersey? Why? Why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> why, are you- why are you doing that? Oh, uh, so Sean, if you if you, if you could just get the quarterback to have the highs and a better flow, um, I don't know if Jamar Chase can be an alien cuz uh he ran 11 stick routes yesterday guys that was that was the, that was the entire office was hey man Marcus Peterson and Marlon Humphrey are good you want to run another 8 yard stick
1: yep let's get 8 yards yep he ran 11 you said 11 dog
2: they ran 11 stick routes with this man cuz unfortunately uh, the Bengals had their third offensive lineman go down yesterday mm-hmm. and so which is huge uh, and, and look uh Man, we were, we were one, we were possibly one Hail Mary, one, not fumble, uh, quarterback sneak, and maybe one two point conversion game from the Chiefs having to play four former Chiefs of Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Man. Watkins, Justin Houston, and Marcus Peters. I just I I do have to say like the Bengals it's
3: once you get to the playoffs it's interesting how matchup dependent everything is. Yes, because the yeah. ba- so the Ravens cover the middle of the field really well. And guess where Joe Burrow likes to pick on. So it's kind of one of those things where I think that this version of the Ravens without Lamar Jackson, I think the Chiefs beat them by 3 touchdowns. Mhm. But the Bengals, they just, they're, 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 matchups are so funny to me. Like, you see, like, just all the problems that they gave them with what they specifically want to do. Now, it also doesn't help that the Bengals offensive line is somehow once again back to, um, well, Josh, you, you, they put you in at the end of the fourth, right? It was...
1: Yeah, that- and I'm still, I am still pretty banged up, but I, I felt like I did what I could, you know, I, I got in the way of some dudes, and uh, I don't think Joe Burrow got killed. Yo, Jamar Chase
2: never ran a route past 20 yards last night. <laughs> Dog! And you're right, he was, but he was targeted on six of 11 hitch routes, Joss. He ran 11 <laughs> hitch routes! Yeah. He the it's- best player on the planet at his position! It- and that includes Justin Jefferson's kids. But come on! Ooh. I will, I will, I, I'm sorry, y'all. I've seen, I've seen too much. <laughs> I've seen it in person. He's so good. No, he's Justin so Jefferson good. is amazing. We really shouldn't be splitting hairs. Obviously, they're all pros. Um, I don't think, well, actually, you know, because of the injury this year, Jamar Chase wasn't an all-pro, but he had all-pro talent. But, yeah, he ran one yard, or excuse me, he ran one route 20 yards of depth on the field.
1: <laughs> yes, Playoff football is so fun. I need you to send me. I'm trying now, now. I'm just scrambling around for this for the where you're pulling all this from. I can't okay, see I'll, it. This is nuts. You just, yeah, here you go. Here you go. Oh, here I got. Uh, is it the, the next gen stats? Yes. In yeah. Here. Okay. I got it now.
2: Hey man. Hey man. You ready to run an A dog? Dude, it's Looking at
1: his route tree is gross. <laughs> you want
2: to run a hitch? Uh, they let let Demarcus Robinson run a double move. My
3: route. You know this is oh! the interesting thing with uh with the bengals now they and again this is all situational right Mm -hmm. because now they face the bills and their offensive line is in tatters but the bills don't have von miller anymore correct and and their pass rush isn't bad it's 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 it's, it might even be above average but it's certainly not like the pass rush when they played kansas city earlier this year Mm. when miller largely took over several drives and so because – it's just such an interesting thing to me how week in and week out, like how are you going to adjust that? Because if you if you try to – you know, you can't just go to the Super Bowl running stick
2: no, you can't. 50
3: times a game. No,
2: you can't. Well, maybe with him you can. Yeah, yeah, maybe with tomorrow.
3: Maybe it's like the Travis Kelsey concept. Well, we can run – look, if the Chiefs can run
2: 30 choice routes a game to Travis Kelsey. <laughs> hey, hey.
1: Josh, he still had 84 yards on nine receptions. All those sticks. It, it's because he can run a <laughs> stick, and then the next three dudes are gonna bounce off him. He'll right. pick up about 12 more <laughs> yards, and someone will push him out of bounds. That feels like that's just the only. I I don't I still to this day don't think I've seen anybody just square up with Jamar Chase, wrap him up, in, and take him down. It doesn't him. right? It yeah. So see him out out done at once, but I don't remember it if he did. Uh, also, th- this
2: is how you know we're in like January and postseason times of our podcast. Guys, the Buffalo Bills' best pass rusher might be Matt Milano.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's we are back. We're, We're back. back Kelsey stopper. Matt, the Kelsey Matt Milano, stopper. Hall of
2: Favor, had two sacks. Hey, three quarterback hits. He was getting production yesterday on Skylar Thompson. <laughs> well, and that's that's the thing.
3: Are they I mean they're not they're not gonna try to blitz the bejesus out of Joe Burrow? No I
1: would but. advise them not to. Yeah, <laughs> I would advise them to.
3: <laughs> and i know it's
1: I, i'm just so interested there's so many cool matchups in the afc i yeah so i got a question real quick that you are probably the most equipped to answer nate that just sort of hit me you say like we're doing the matchup stuff because it's january but this is what it's actually like in the building on a weekly basis right to huh. some extent at least
2: yeah to, to some extent but you're not you're not putting every emphasis in it right there's things that sure. you want to get to there's guys you need to like you know, um, hey, if we like this matchup this week, we'll we'll use that player maybe more than we would use them over the course of the entire season. I mean, one of the things that was so evident, I mean Okay, if the Chargers want to listen to me, oh, no, it's right now, guys. It is so evident that when you watch what well, we all watched Saturday, and I kind of went back and watched a little bit yesterday, of the Chargers Jaguars. And then what I watched today, and again, as Seth said on Twitter, it was not it was not Thanksgiving yet. It was not real football. But, you know, the tape don't lie about speed, man. Mm-hmm. It is so obvious that the one thing that Chargers lack for a quarterback who has a similar skill set to Josh Allen, to Patrick Mahomes, is somebody who can run a deep route and get open, man. Like... Oh, we got we got the route God in in Keenan Allen and no yak elsewhere. Zero yak. Um that was also another thing too. Like they couldn't the Chargers could not complete a short pass into the open space and feel confident that hey we're gonna get like five extra yards out of this, you know, whether it's a screen route, whether it's a swing route, whether it's a in-cut, you know, hell. Um can Keenan Allen run 11 stick routes and get 90 yards? They didn't even want to try it. Um, So, it is so clear that the thing that the Jaguars struggle with is misdirection and speed. And that is a principle of the Chiefs offense. Mm-hmm. And that was a game that didn't involve McCole uh, Hartman, who might be back or, you know, who is assumed to be back. Obviously, we'll have more for that on Thursday show when we have the full pack. By the way, with them playing on Saturday, we'll have the full pack practice report basically on our Thursday show because um, they won't practice Friday for obvious reasons. Um, do you want to know a mind-boggling stat, fellas, that, that, I, that I have lined up here? Are you ready for this, Seth? Yes. Because this is me writing for the Chiefs to, like, actually do it. Like... Hey, guys, if I do, if I know this, I know y'all know this. Um, This is per um, the NFL's Next Gen Stats system. Do you know, guys, that this season, the Chiefs have not ran a single play? Not one play on offense with the personnel group of Kadarius Toney, McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Huh. And, if, and if you want to go a little bit crazier, put out five wides of Tony, Hardman, Kelsey, Smith-Schuster, and MVS. They have ran zero plays of that
1: personnel groups all season. Good luck, Jacksonville. Good luck. Uh, I'll I'll take this from your timeline also here, Seth. Just that we talked about before here, and kind of your take on the Jags game the first time through. And I really do want to let you guys talk about the defensive line. That wasn't just a bit at the beginning. I've just been distracted by forty-five fun minutes talking about Wild Card Week with my friends. Uh, but I, uh, I I like the tweet that you mentioned to us before the show from uh, Nick Sheon on Twitter saying the uh, the Chiefs averaged seven point eight yards per play in that game, gave up an onside kick, we're negative three in turnovers, and we're up seventeen late in the fourth. Um, And you pointed out that the Jags have gotten better since then, obviously, yes. but we don't know how much better the Chiefs are going to look than they did that first time through when you you called it a B minus or C plus day at the office for the Chiefs.
3: And that would be at best. I mean, you really uh, so I mean, uh, well, first, if I am recalling, didn't the Chiefs win the toss and they accidentally was it Legereus Sneed? Holy cow, Ac- is
1: that that game? Yeah. Yes, yes. When they elected to receive <laughs> to, they, they elected to, Was that when they elected to kick? No, they, no, no, they, no, they, they won the toss and elected to receive. And, and did Coach receive, like, okay.
2: And Coach was like, wait, what? We don't do this. What? That's not what we do here. And yeah, then Toad was like, all right, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> kick off for 13. Get out there. Well, that's
3: an unfortunate <laughs> thing. But one thing we know for sure is we're getting the ball. The ball. <laughs> and, and then they onside kicked it and recovered it. Which is hilarious. And you know what? Hey, good for Doug P, right? It's like, hey, that was to me, that was a, okay, you guys are two or three years ahead of us in what we're trying to do. You're a better team. You've been doing this longer. I'm going to grab every edge I can it's time to get funky <laughs> that playing in doug peterson's headphones the whole time <laughs> absolutely as it should be for virtually everyone who's wearing a headphone all the time um, <laughs> oh, yeah everyone's always happier when the cha-cha slide is on so they so that happened and again they did have three turnovers and they were goofy turnovers it was it was a weird game shockingly and they still, the Chiefs did have a 17-point lead in the fourth when Jacksonville, because it was after a pick, Jacksonville scored, and they were within 10. And I was like, ah, it's closer than I'd like, but there's like eight minutes left in the fourth. And they were fine. And that really is like, can you really call a day where you give up an onside kick right away? So basically a turnover to start yeah. the day. Mm-hmm. And then you lose the turnover battle in minus three. Is that even a, can you even call that a B-minus day? I maybe, yeah, yeah. but, and, and they still won pretty handily. So it'll be interesting to see because again, Jacksonville's improved over the course of the year, but I'm curious what that pass rush looks like against a, um how do I say this? A, a NFL offense. <laughs> and I, and look, that's not, a, that's not a shot at Justin Herbert. who's I, he, I might
1: take him second in my quarterback draft.
3: Like, I'm gonna contracts, you're gonna get
1: tweets so once you to know you're gonna get tweets.
3: I know it I don't, be between I'm not saying it,
1: you're dumb, I'm saying you're gonna get tweets. Yeah, it would be it would be between him, Allen, and Burrow. That's your that's gotta be, right? That's there's yeah. there's not another guy for that group yet, right? Not not to me. Hurts.
3: What about, what about Brock
2: Purdy?
1: All right, fine. <laughs> Purdy's fourth. Well,
3: I did group. see him compared on Twitter to um to Tom Brady, so who
2: he gonna play next
3: week? Some, yeah, someone someone oh. tweeted out. You know, I I saw a team respond to a guy like this back in two thousand one, and yeah. then Danny Kelly with the ringer tweeted. I also saw twelve guys respond to a young man from Nazareth two thousand years.
1: years ago. That was my
3: favorite tweet of the That week, was and I said. such a
1: was great so tweet. Oh, Standing
2: man. ovation. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
3: and I mean, it was 11, technically. The, the last <laughs> one kind of went, went the wrong way. But At
2: the start. At the start. Yeah, were 12. You know, <laughs> 12 at the time.
1: Hey, Nobody hey. starts
3: off a Judas, you know? Yeah. Anyway. But
1: look, Joey Bosa didn't get ejected, but he left the game. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> if it's not Judas Bosa. <laughs>
3: Man, I, I will say, just I, I know we want to talk about normal stuff, but the unintentional I want to let you comedy, guys talk about the
1: defensive line, but you're holding me back now. So you the that's unintentional
3: you. comedy of Brandon Staley handing Bosa back his helmet and let then it slamming it. Down hey, dog, him. get your head back into the game. Okay. Whoa, the up, It's like, okay, buddy. So, all
2: again, right, so we're with, gonna do this
3: without you from here. All right, cool, 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 cool. I right, just hey man, why
2: don't, you, why don't you just go sit over there real quick?
3: <laughs> so, <there we> go. <laughs> I I I will I will get us on track. Like Please.
1: To do. Well, but before you do, Seth. Oh, my God. This this stems from the Playoff X Factor series on the Chief of the North newsletter, oh, MNChiefsFan.Substack.com. And in this case, Seth, we've talked about Chris Jones many a time. I would like for Nate to talk about Chris Jones as the show wraps up here, but sometime before the show wraps up, in the next 10 minutes or so today. But you have written what's this about pass rushers on the Chiefs who aren't Chris Jones? Tell me more. I,
3: you know, on, uh, I, I, man, man, I fumbled
1: that. That was,
3: uh, that was rough. Well, it so anyway. again,
1: Statue of Liberty. Nate, you wrote about Chris Jones. <laughs> Seth seated his time. <laughs> um, Go ahead, Seth. Yes, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. So, um,
3: I, I'm i writing about Playoff X Factors. And I wrote about Karloftis, Mike Dana, and complimentary pass rush.
1: We talked about the uh, Tony and Pacheco a little bit last week without you. Yep. Yep, and Tony and Pacheco are great guys to
3: talk about because guess who they didn't have last year in the playoffs? Well, a lot of their weapons, honestly. They didn't have Juju. They didn't have MVS. They didn't have Tony Justin Pacheco. Watson. But Tony and Pacheco, I think, are game changers. Why Dana and Karloftis matter, you can just turn on the Raiders game, which was maybe the most complete game they played all year, in which they showed that when they play a complete game, man, the Raiders cannot handle them. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about pass rush, and I've tried to think of like the most succinct way of phrasing this. One superstar does not make a pass rush because they win 25% to 33% of the time approximately. And even when they do win, it's just one guy getting pressure. A good quarterback can, you know, account for that. Can maybe get out of the way. He'll have other places to run. He can step up with the pocket, blah, blah, blah. Having other guys get pressure, it upticks the frequency of pressure and the intensity of pressure. And that's why it's an exponential improvement. And that's why for the Chiefs, if they they will get some pressure with Chris Jones, it will happen. That's, and everyone, what about the Bengals game? Go turn on the film. It happened at times. Not as much as I would have liked or Chris Jones would have liked, but it still happened, but it wasn't nearly as much and it wasn't as intense as you want. Their ability to do it consistently against good teams, even teams with bad offensive lines like the Bengals have right now, for example. Um, And the, the Bills have struggled at times to protect Josh Allen you need other guys to get home. And my favorite example, and this is the first video clip in this article is Chris Jones makes a great play, beats the right guard of the Raiders who man could not block him. Um, But Stidham starts to try to step up, but he can't because Karloftis has managed to push Colton Miller into the backfield yep. and win inside And there's nowhere to step up. And that's complimentary pressure. It turns, complimentary pass rush turns pressure into sacks or or slight pressure into hits or no pressure into pressure. Everything gets a little bit better, a little bit faster. And that's why you need, as great as Chris Jones is, they need Mike Dana. They need George Karloftis. They need all of these guys, Frank Clark, Carlos Dunlap, to step up. Oh, just a little fun fact that I learned after writing the article. Carlos Dunlap is tied for the league lead in batted passes this year among non-secondary or coverage backer players. Mm-hmm. He has eight. Yep. You know how many Karloftis has? Seven. Between the two of them, they've knocked down as many passes as a really, really, really good corner. Hmm. And that matters. Like wh- that's which, remember, a, a knockdown wh- pass kills a play.
2: Yeah, which protects a very young secondary, led by, uh checks notes, three rookie cornerbacks. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. And that's and an and old-timer, third-year player, Lecherius Sneed. Yeah. yeah, who is
2: excellent, but
3: yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so the that complimentary pass rush, the Chiefs have done a really good job this year, and Joe Colon deserves a ton of credit. A lot of guys are having career years. And Karloftis being a useful player already, yeah, that's awesome. They have beaten up on bad competition and at times struggled against good competition to be consistent. And if they get are going to get consistent pressure, and that's what you need to affect great quarterbacks, great quarterbacks. Occasional pressure does nothing, you know, other than that one play, right? Great quarterbacks, you need to get in their face all game the entire time. And that's where they need these other guys. And so I wrote a lot about, you know, the different ways that they win and kind of expanding on the topic to demonstrate how pressure from one area and winning in one area kind of flows into the next area. So those are those are the guys I'm watching against the Jags because Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack did not get much pressure on Trevor Lawrence
1: more pressure on the officials um Mm. with with that in mind nate on theathletic.com, written by the uh absolutely incomparable nathaniel taylor you wrote about chris jones and the chiefs pass rush coming together around him nate uh i don't know if you guys were like you know texting notes back and forth but it really worked out conveniently for us getting our agenda on the same page we've talked a lot about chris jones uh which i'm happy to always do a little bit more of but Throughout this story and, and all of the uh the other members of this D line, Nate, how how have you seen all that come together kind of through the lens of, of what Seth's laying out here now, that Raiders game, kind of feeling like a bit of an achievement in terms of what they can what they can do as one unit?
2: Right. And and this is something that I think will help them having the week, re- right? You know, watching all these matchups, in particular now, you're gonna look at a Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line that they actually sort of dominated in the first matchup. Um when you go back and you study the tape and look, Colin Saunders had a sack in that game. Chris Jones was, was obviously evident. Um, Carlos Dunlap, you know, he had the ability to get around the edge a few times um, to make life difficult for, for Trevor Lawrence. So um, this is something where, you know, it's like, which one do you choose? Which I thought was really interesting from like, obviously the off season and what the team wanted to do. They obviously put a lot of emphasis on the secondary, Um, but also they really decided that like, we need, um, Joe Cullen, as Seth mentions to get the most out of the guys and it can't just be sacks. And, you know, as much as a sack is helpful to the defense, it doesn't always necessarily end drives. Obviously when Chris Jones does it, um, Seth is led to believe that, that this is, uh, this is why he is excellent, which is true, but not only do the Chiefs lead the league in batted passes with 29, um, they also force the quarterback to throw the ball away, which is obviously an incompletion, um, not even attempting to throw the ball to a receiver, which again protects a younger, newer secondary, um, unlike last year when they were just letting people go uh, frilly-dilly downfield. All this is to say is, When you look at Saturday's game between the Chiefs and the Jaguars, the the, the three stats to really keep in mind are sacks, batted passes, and passes where the quarterback has to throw the ball away to prevent himself from being sacked or taking a quarterback hit. And basically, one thing that actually astonished me when I went through all this is that the Chiefs lead the league when you combine all those plays together. When you combine sacks, throwaways, and batted balls, that is 112 plays this season where the offense gained no yards. And the Dallas Cowboys were second in the league with 105. We have yet to see them play against a pretty interesting Tampa Bay offensive line, which now has their center coming back from IR, who did not play the entire season, um, with Tom Brady, who gets the ball out super-duper quick. Um, But that is really for something that everybody can watch, that can be translated to if they beat Jacksonville, what happens in the AFC Championship game, because they didn't get a ton of pressure on Josh Allen, and they got virtually minuscule pressure against Joe Burrow. Mm -hmm. But if they get a good combination of sacks, throwaways, and pass breakups, the defense will be functional enough to support the offense toward victory. Um, And so I think what me and Seth are trying to, Get at, and I know you agree with this, Josh, is yes, sacks are super duper nice, but when you look at the whole picture, are you doing enough to influence the quarterback to not be at his absolute best? They did that at times against Jacksonville in the first matchup. They can they have the potential to do it again with an even better Carl Loftus, because obviously that was in the middle of the season, not towards the end where he's gone on this sack streak. And yeah, their offensive line is fine. It's not excellent, but it's fine. And so the Chiefs need to show that they can do this, not just to the Raiders, but that they can do it again a second time to the Jaguars.
1: How does it make you feel, Seth? Anything to, to bounce back there before we get out of here? I feel like Nate summed it up beautifully. Okay, and then I have an actual question. I have an actual question for you guys then, and then we'll get out of here. How do you actually feel about the Chiefs' pass rush going forward through the playoffs? You've given me the story. Mm -hmm. You've given me the payoff against the Raiders. I love the combined stats of of just like zero or negative yard plays, essentially counting the throwaways. I love it. How do you two feel with what you know about this pass rush? How do you feel like it's going to perform in the playoffs? And then we'll get out of here.
3: I'll go first because Nate's a thoughtful guy.
2: Yep, I'm I'm,
3: I'm cautiously optimistic. Cautiously I, optimistic. They they look like they've maybe turned a corner, but I felt that way a few times this season, so that's why it's a very cautious optimism.
2: Yeah, asking a lot from a rookie in the postseason mm-hmm. is asking yes. a lot. <laughs> so this leads me back to someone that we haven't mentioned yet, guys. Anybody want to take a guess? There is a guy who
3: I do believe has performed quite well in the playoffs before and has this season enjoyed a little bit of a reinvigoration of his career, not to an elite player, but to a useful one. Mm-hmm. And if I were guessing, I would say that that man is Carlos Dunlap.
1: <sighs> <sighs> Josh. <laughs> Derek naughty. I got Yeah, you, let's go. Let's go. Let's
3: go home. Let's go home. We play, play- a dime. Put it,
2: Roosevelt Clark, Frank oh. Clark, Frank Clark. This is it.
1: This is Apparently his this is... first name. Isn't actually Franklin. I was really confident it would at least be Frank, 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 Dominic Clark. Uh, this is it. I know more like Frank, Dominic Clark. There it is. Boom. Woo. I just want to remind people Frank Clark
2: did something that Derek Thomas didn't do. Frank Clark also did something that Neil Smith didn't hadn't done. I know that sounds wild to say, y'all. He did something that Justin Houston and Tom Bahali didn't do.
1: Play with Patrick Mahomes.
0: Also.
2: <laughs> God, you're so good at this. <laughs> anyway, he hadn't to- <laughs> Frank Clark did something that had not been done since the likes of Bobby Bell. Okay. If 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 this is this is the moment. This is wildly the moment for him and Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. And they have to lead this pass rush in the way that they did in 2019. Now it can be slightly different because both players are at a different stage in their careers, but this is it. Um, and I think both of them know that. So just, just keep that in mind. I think we saved the best for last, which is Frank Clark. Also played with Ashwalls. <laughs> but hey. Yeah, he the game, you know. But hey, Joe Montana never played with Frank Clark. Alex Smith That's it Never played with Frank Clark That's the show Steve Bono That's it Never played with Frank Clark And neither did Damon Hewitt
1: I am perfectly happy for the last words of this episode to be Damon Hewitt (laughs)